this podcast was recorded at the American headquarters of the Ethereus Society, located in Hollywood, California, where service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Welcome. Welcome uh, to uh, Class 6. And uh, This is uh, Ascension. Who are we again? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm Brian. I'm Richard. Wow. Well... Uh, this is the uh, the third of the second section. Uh, the first three, of course, is what we're all working on now, bravery, love, service. And the next section, which we're now in, is the a long time in the future, but it's still on Earth. We, do, we finished uh, Enlightenment, where you raise the Kundalini up to one of the upper three centers, the, the heart, the throat, or especially the, uh, the third eye. And then Cosmic Consciousness, last week, where it... The Kundalini finally goes up into the Brahma Chakra. And the amazing thing which you read in uh, Ascension, imagine getting to the state of cosmic consciousness and how long it would take you to get to that state and how unbelievable it would be to experience that state. Think of all that. Think of how long it's going to take you to get there, right? And then you read in the, the Sixth Freedom... Jumping ahead a little bit, but Mars Sector 6 goes, After this stage of awareness, meaning cosmic consciousness, after this stage of awareness has been mastered, then lives ensue before total experience has been gained. Even so, it is the birthright of every life stream upon Terra to enjoy the highest form of initiation upon Terra, ascension. So there it is. After you reach cosmic consciousness, you still have lives yet to go on Earth. And when you think about that, you also got to think, where are these masters that have gone through cosmic consciousness? We we know that Yogananda... (laughs) There's one. We know Yogananda was one, but geez, you you know, it kind of puts things in a little bit different perspective. Um, and then you, you hear different people talking about uh, they're selling um, initiations for ascension this life. You've been to these, these New Age fairs, and, and that's what's out there. And here we find out even after cosmic consciousness, it takes lives before you reach ascension. Shoo. Mortals we are, immortality is ascension. So that's what we're talking about today, is that changeover through countless experiences, countless lessons into immortality. So it's from a child, we thought about this being immortal. We have comic books, we have all these fictional characters, and the reality is, is that it is a divine promise. And tonight we're going to speak, listen to these great Masters, Mars Sector 6, the Master King, talk about this wonderful journey that we're on today and what we're going to look forward to in the morrows. Now, we're going to start out a little bit differently tonight. Um, we haven't really spoken too much about St. Guling. He came up one time. Uh, but St. Guling is an ascended master, uh, an ascended master uh, in the Great White Brotherhood living on Earth. And he introduces each of these um, freedoms. 
And we haven't really listened to them, but we're going to listen to a short extract of St. Guling tonight for a specific reason. Are we ready to do that? Yes, let's go right into it. Mark, why don't you uh, roll track one? Close eyes and just let power flow through you. It will then be manipulated by Devic Realms for country of America for reasons I have previously given. In this way you will be doing essential service for all your brothers. I go. That's St. Guling. Now Richard's going to read some information about the Devic Kingdom uh, in and this is from the, the Nine Freedoms text, the commentary by our master. And uh, the Devic Kingdom is a very important concept to get across because uh, it comes into play in all of our prayers and all of our thoughts and all of our actions. So let's listen to a couple of paragraphs of the Devic Kingdom. Master King referred in Chapter 2 of the Nine Freedoms to the Devic Kingdom. But in the sixth freedom, he further explains the function of the Devic kingdom, and it's essential. Brian and I um, thought this afternoon clearly that this should be included because in any event, through the first freedom to the sixth freedom on this planet, the Devic kingdom plays a vital, important role in our transmission of energies, and it plays an important role as will be explained here by the Master. Please listen carefully. During metaphysical studies, you will see many references to the divas, some of which will be difficult to understand unless you have at least some little idea of what the divas are and what kind of realms they inhabit. The divas are intelligences who inhabit physical bodies of a different type of matter than the gross matter, the material bodies of man. They live on the mental physical realms of existence, which consist of the same type of etheric matter which constitutes their bodies. It is because of the difference in vibrations of this matter that ordinary man is unable to see the divas or to detect with his five with his basic five senses, the realms they inhabit, even though these are exactly dovetail into the physical planes of earth. Now, just as physical men are interrelated with one another, so are the divas interrelated upon their plane of existence. Just as physical man is existing in different stages of evolution, so are the divas. Some of these are enlightened beings who have even greater power and wisdom in their own way 
than any terrestrial master. Some are more primitive and are more commonly referred to as gnomes, elves, and fairies, which have been seen by, by clairvoyants and often by small children. There are even supposedly genuine photographs in existence of fairies. The divas are responsible for the manipulation of all primary and secondary energies upon the basic as well as higher planes. They are the nature spirits who, unlike man, work strictly according to law. If you bring a flint into sharp contact with a wheel, having a serrated edge, you will produce a spark containing heat. If you direct this spark onto a wick soaked with combustible fuel, you have a flame. According to metaphysical law, you have produced those conditions which are favorable for the invocation of and subsequent action of a fire diva. In this case, the flame produced is a direct result of the manipulation of secondary or basic energy by the divas. Had your wick been soaked with water, you would have not been able to produce flame or the conditions would have been unfavorable for the diva to bring about the result determined by you. If you pray and thereby release spiritual energy on a psycho-spiritual plane, this energy will eventually be manipulated by the divas. And if it is powerful enough to do what you wanted it to do, then this result will be brought about through the manipulation of the energy. If it is not powerful enough, then only a part of the result will be brought into being. If you send out negative thoughts, then the divas will manipulate this energy and a negative type of result must come from the procedure. For instance, if everyone upon earth possessed only an elevated thought and pattern, action pattern, thereby releasing the correct power onto the etheric realms, one immediate result would be perfect weather conditions throughout the earth. All violent storms would cease at once. There would be a perfect annual rainfall. The overall climate would become more temperate than it is now. Hurricanes, typhoons, and similar destructive weather conditions would soon cease because they are a result of the manipulation of energy by the Divic Kingdom, which has been transmitted to them by the violent expressions of emotion, hate, greed, and similar negative discolorations put upon universal mind radiated through man. These diverse reactions are the results of the manipulation of primary energy by the divas. So that is a very thorough explanation of the two uh, manipulations of the divas, secondary and primary, and we suggest you reread those pages, which is page, to be precise, 19... 109 and 110 of the nine freedoms. Put this into your concentrations. Contemplate upon this, and you'll see that bravery, 
is a very essential uh, freedom, as we've been told. But if you have an understanding of the divas, then they can absolutely help you in your efforts. The more you consciously recognize their existence, interesting enough, if they, as they are told to be intelligences, they actually may have a relationship with you as conscious as you have a relationship with them. It also gets across how important it is to uh, form that link with the target that you want to send your energy to. If you want to send your energy to your mother, then you want to be able to visualize your mother as well as you possibly can, and that directs the energy that virtually is telling the diva where to take that energy to. And the stronger that you have that link, the more direct that energy can go. And then, of course, you put as much as your love into it as you can, and it carries it to your mother. Um, likewise, if you, uh, that's why a photograph can be useful, um, uh, an aspect of, the, of clothing or a lock of hair, all these things will help the, the diva transmit that energy to the source when you're talking about prayer. But for now, why don't we move on to the first track that we normally play, and that is the pronouncement by Mars Sector 6 of this freedom. And then as we normally do, we'll do a little bit of a, a short reading that kind of continues with that statement. So let's again get ourselves ready to tune in to the power and the knowledge and the wisdom of Mars Sector 6 as he pronounces the sixth freedom. Mark? The sixth of freedom will be ascension of freedom from rebirth is brought about by those ready as a result of a countless experiences a countless a lessons well learned uh, through these experiences as such a one uh, has uh, manipulated uh, his uh, karma so that it forms a pattern which approves that he does not need to learn the 
a basic lessons which can be afforded by a further birth upon a term This stage has been reached. The adept then leaves this planet Terra through death into a fuller life. Such a one may then choose whether or not he will remain upon Terra in order to render service or whether he will go onward to an introduction into the experience cycle of another planet. So this is the freedom where the life stream can then leave Earth and leave the cycle of rebirth. It's interesting that the, the words always, every word that this cosmic master utters and speaks is worthy of contemplation. And the structure, sentence structure, is very, very unique and, and it's so special. Um, where he f- uses the word forms a pattern. That pattern is a continuous pattern, not a break, start, break, start, break, start. This is a pattern that goes through, as we have been told, lifetimes. And this is something we're looking at into the distant future. However, we are in this stage at the moment where we're forming this pattern ourselves. And this pattern is, bless you, this, this pattern is a continuous pattern and it's all, the, the individual has already reached cosmic consciousness, as Brian mentioned. And even after this stage, a pattern still has to be established of continued service so that there is absolutely no attachment to the world or to the earth itself in its basic lessons. How often do we hear in the cosmic transmissions and the teachings that why do we keep on putting our hand in the fire to learn the same lesson of pain? So here we are at this stage of our life, times, and this is the, the time where we need to be steadfast in our commitment that we will not falter, that we will succeed every day, that we're going to form this pattern that Mars Sector 6 speaks of. It, it also gives um, a, a real good reason why it's good to reflect every day on what you did. You have several books will tell you to either, you know, before you go to bed at night or first thing in the morning, to spend some time reviewing everything you did that day. And because you are forming that karmic pattern, you're forming that experience cycle. And the more that you can realize how important that is and go back and think about what challenges came up, which ones you succeeded at, which ones you failed at. And then learn that lesson and keep forming that pattern. Because it's, it's, uh, it's one thing that we, you really comes clear in the nine freedoms how much of a um, continuous life we have. And just because we grow up, get old, and we die in this plane, it, you're going on and on and on. And it's, it's vital what you do with your life now and how you manipulate your karma. And it, one of the best analogies that the Master used was you are trimming your sails in your boat. 
and you're trying to, to drive it in a straight line off the rocks and out of the, the shallows, and you're trying, and it's up to you, it's entirely up to you. Anything that comes your way that might seem to be slowing you down is actually your karma from before, and it's your, it's your lessons, it's your experiences, and they're, they're great gifts. And so it's, it's important how you navigate through the waters which you have asked for, you've designed. And it's a good thing to always try and keep this in, in our mind. And it's up to us to do it because most people don't think this way. They think about blaming and anger and, and, and being um, uh, a victim. And that's not the way life is. And so it's, it's up to all of us to keep that in our mind so that we keep realizing that we are creating our situations. It's up to us to navigate through them the best that we can to make this pattern. There is a little reading I want to do here with this very topic. We need to really get this into us. The Master says it very clean, the Master King. He says, before even cosmic consciousness can be attained, you have to work for many lives in service. And this we all have been discussing for some weeks now. This does not only mean to give service, kindliness, and help and guidance to your relatives, but to all people who need it, whether you agree with them or not, whether you like them or not, whether you consider them to be your friend or foe. You must pray for them continually. Send your love to them continually. Give them healing whenever they need it. Spend night after night of your life in prayer for the world as a whole, drawing down the great tides of spiritual energy which flows through the cosmic system, conditioning these by your own pure thoughts and sending this energy out again so that it can be manipulated by the Diva Kingdom on behalf of suffering, ignorant mankind. You must be prepared to continue giving not only of your physical all, but your very life, if necessary, to mankind. All this before even cosmic consciousness is experienced. So we have some superb guidelines. And once again, we've been talking weeks now, prayer, prayer, prayer. It's a great, great, great action that we can conduct in the privacy of our own home, in any place on the planet, in your car, as we discussed, in a movie theater, in a shopping mall, in a school, in a college, in a mortuary, in a graveyard, everywhere you can pray and contact this cosmic power and send it to multiple people, multiple areas, multiple needs, of which there are many on our world. Well, shall we, uh, shall we move on now to finding out a bit more what it's like once we finally do leave, after all these many, many, many lies, what it's like when we leave Earth or are able to leave Earth. And uh, Mar- uh, our master is going to talk a little bit about uh, St. Germain, which is an, who's an ascended master uh, of the Great White Brotherhood. And this is about a two, two or three-minute extract. Uh, Mark, that's number three.
At this stage, those with certain definite abilities uh, volunteer to forego the greater bliss of introduction into the experience cycle of another planet and choose to remain upon Earth. As I said before, some masters do choose to remain on Earth. Saint Germain is, is an outstanding example of an ascended master with certain definite abilities and capabilities which at the moment are being used for the benefit of Earth. And he is living here and has lived here for hundreds of years. French historians get a very bad headache when they start to study this man because he crops up for 600 years through French history, the same individual. And he might choose, I don't know whether he will or not, but he might choose to stay here another 600 or 1,000 years, and he'll still keep cropping up in one way or another. Through, and then historians in a few years' time may not have such a headache because they will have studied the nine freedoms by then or they probably won't be historians. So, whichever way it goes, here is a master who has been through the initiation of ascension, and in a hundred years' time, he virtually will not be any older, because the cellular structure he is now employing, although it looks like Earth's cellular structure, it isn't the type of cellular structure that we have for our bodies. It does not age in the same way. The Indian girl uh, who I saw actually go through this initiation, completely through it, described fully what happened to her in volume number one. In a 200 years' time, she will still look about 20. And in 500 years' time, if she chooses to remain here, she will still look about 20. You see, so we do not age. Ordinary people, like you and I, and we must be ordinary people because we do age, and we know it, don't we? However, when we have passed through this initiation of ascension, and we're told it's the birthright of everybody, by the way, and we will not age. Uh, and if we, do, uh, if we do want to change our body, it will be a matter of course only. Uh, the Indian girl he, he speaks about is the, um, uh, the Indian uh, girl that he watched go through ascension, and it's re recounted in, in the Nine Freedoms, a beautiful description of uh, how that took place. Um, the one thing I wanted to talk about is our master's uh, kind of ongoing relationship with the Great White Brotherhood. And one thing that uh, took place hmm, probably about, um, oh, maybe uh, seven or eight years before he passed away was uh, an operation called Operation Earthlight, uh, which he, he devised. He, he invented the equipment and the modus operandi to, uh, to perform Operation Earthlight. And briefly, Operation Earthlight is a way of slowly releasing the energies or, or helping the Mother Earth to slowly release energies that she now has from the initiation of Earth 
releasing these energies to help the slow speeding of the vibrational change on Earth. Uh, but Dr. King realized that he was not going to be able to perform this mission, even though he had invented the equipment for it, kind of came to him in a flash, but he realized he could not perform it. And so he actually offered this to the Great White Brotherhood. And um, before he passed away, Dr. King asked me to uh, write this down, and so I did. And the book's called Operation Earthlight, A Glimpse into the World of the Ascended Masters. And it's, uh, it gives an amazing um, recount of the various um, communications that the, our master had with the Great White Brotherhood during this oh, several-month period when they, they got this, um, uh, the plans for this equipment and the speed at which they put these plans into action and how they created it, several prototypes in different retreats of the Great White Brotherhood, uh, was amazing. And it's one of the best uh, examples of how the Ascended Masters operate. And you, can hear, you can read occasionally books about how they interact with Earth people, very, very few, but very rarely, and I've never actually seen a book, where you, it tells how they actually take a, an operation and put it into uh, motion. And it's an amazing uh, lesson on how they operate. A question that would be posed, I guess, by a listener who's not familiar with the Aetherius Society's teachings is that uh, from the early days of the Master uh, and his um, progression, spiritual progression, uh, he became a personality that was recognized by the Great White Brotherhood in the 50s. And as the Aetherius Society was formed and developed both in England and in America, there were various operations in which the master uh, went into trance, deep somatic trance, and it was recorded, and they were special power manipulations that occurred in the early 60s of which the Great White Brotherhood took part in. And those particular power manipulations are a lecture unto themselves. However, the master, George King, was in direct relations with the Great White Brotherhood as of the mid-1950s onwards until his demise. Therefore, they had a great respect for him as a master and on uh, multiple planes of activity. To those of you in the Aether Society who were aware of his uh, other hats that the master wore during his lifetime, you'll realize that what I'm saying here. However, the masters of the Great White Brotherhood have been under the direct leadership of the Lord Babaji. And the Lord Babaji is the most ancient master upon the planet. He is the political and spiritual head of the Great White Brotherhood. He's been on earth, according to what we understand, Brian, isn't it something like 3,000 million years? And will continue to be here for an additional 3,000 million years until the earth is reabsorbed back into the sun, at least her physical part of herself. So we're talking a very interesting dynamic between the Master George King and the Great White Brotherhood. Special note that the Master George King was initiated as a Grand Knight Templar into the inner sanctum of the Great White Brotherhood during his lifetime as a physical human being. 
interesting notation. That's true. That's, that's a good good point. Uh, all members of the Great White Brotherhood are not ascended. And that, that's uh, sometimes a source of confusion. Um, an ascended master means one who has, a, has gone through this sixth freedom, through the initiation of ascension, and can then leave earth uh, or stay back. But you can also be associated with the Great White Brotherhood. There's a few cases, not many, but a few cases, where you are not an ascended master. I mean, there are certain masters that are associated and actually members of the Great White Brotherhood, although they are not ascended. I think one, one in particular case is um, uh, Blavatsky. She's uh, associated with the Great White Brotherhood, we're told, but she is not an ascended master, one example. As organizations go uh, on this point, it's very important for us to discuss this outwardly because it, is, it bears worth um, thinking about. The Ethereum Society has been in direct cooperation and in an alliance with the Great White Brotherhood for a number of years. Uh, many of our operations, for instance, Operation Sunbeam that is conducted by the Ethereum Society since 1966, the Great White Brotherhood themselves have taken on this mission on the other realms and on the physical realm itself and are performing this very self-same mission jointly with the Ethereum Society. So it makes the Ethereum Society, for those of you out there, uh, a very unique organization upon the planet. And this is well documented, by the way, in the annals of the Ethereum Society history. So now we're going to move into... Truth. This is an amazing uh, statement by Mark Sector 6, and we're going to listen, uh, listen to first our master uh, talk about it, then we're going to reread the paragraph itself. And this is truly uh, uh, the bedrock of all the freedoms, as you'll hear. Uh, Mark, this will be uh, track five. Truth is an essential part of total terrestrial experience. It's one thing we came to Earth to learn. Truth. And we'll never leave Earth, or never get any place, until we've learned this. Truth. Now, I think, myself, if we take to truth, I don't think we're going to be so easily deluded by others either. Because, you see, like attracts like. And if we speak out boldly in truth, we're going to attract truth to us. So we won't be easily deluded by others. And there is this delusion going on, something which kind of eats away inside of me. Because I do not like to see nice people being deluded. If I didn't have any compassion at all for the people in America, believe me, I wouldn't talk like this. The only reason I am talking so is because I have feeling and compassion for anybody who is deluded by anybody else. I have a tremendous feeling and compassion for them. So much so that I'd sacrifice quite a bit to help them. Until truth is learned, the freedoms cannot be enjoyed. It is the foundation of the temple of freedom. You can't send out love unless you have truth in your heart. You cannot have bravery without truth.
believe me, it's a part of it. Immediately you take to truth, you feel braver. You have nothing to fear as such. You can control fear because you don't have to remember this whole set of lies uh, in order to lie yourself out of a difficult situation. So many, many uh, people know this uh, to be a fact because they have taken to truth and they are searching for truth. Well, if you've taken to truth and you're searching for truth, you will find it. That's the law. You'll find it. Read that, uh, that paragraph one, one more time. Truth is an essential part of total terrestrial experience. Until truth is learned, the freedoms cannot be enjoyed. Truth is the foundation of the temple of freedom. Is that a great sentence? Truth is the foundation of the temple of freedom. And it puts a whole different spin on the concept of truth. You know, we're all told, you know, to be truthful and not to lie and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But of course you've got all these little concepts like a little white lie and all this kind of stuff. And you know, it, it really it again it's another way of looking at something which we commonly confront almost every day. And it's almost like it's 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 almost like it's a vibration. And the more that you fill yourself with the vibration of truth, the more you'll be able to recognize it and the more the more you'll be able to have it come into your life. And it it's almost like um kind of like karma. You know, if if you if you do bad things, sometimes you don't see the immediate kickback. But the more you know about karma, you know that you're only hurting yourself. It's likewise exact same thing with truth. If you say an untruth, no one may ever know about it. It may not be found out. You may think that you're being, you're helping the person, you're being kind to that person. But we're being told that when you do that, it's, you're, you're virtually pushing truth away from yourself. And you're, you're only harming yourself. And it's, it's a vibration. It's come almost like a karmic thing. And it it's, it's really is just a bedrock of advancement. Because when you, you know, as you get on, it's so easy to um, stray from uh, reality. I mean, look at all the, the fake teachers that are around. Um, all the people that are setting themselves up to be what they aren't you know it it's it it can be difficult to really discriminate but it's it's so essential you, you can save yourself so much time and you can help so many people by getting the truth across to people in a way that they can understand it it really is the foundation imagine yourself standing in a river and you have a choice you flow with the current of the river or you stand like a rock and let the water beat against you, and over time it will corrode your surface of the rock, that being you, and eventually it will carve a niche, and out of that it will eventually dissolve you as the rock in the river over time. Truth is much like allowing yourself to flow with the river. 
instead of being personally engaged against the current, which represents truth. The universe moves with the great law of truth. Everything in nature, we've been told this evening regarding the divas, corresponds to the action, truthfully. So the divas truthfully respond to the negative discoloration of hate. They truthfully abide by the law of karma, the metaphysical law of nature. However, lies and deceit are the underpins, are the undermining, are the, it's the element that destroys us. One day we shine and we're truthful to those who we wish to be truthful. Another day a man walks up to you and says, do you believe in God? He says, no, I do not. Why did you say that? Why not stand up and say, I believe not only God, I believe that God lies within your heart and mine. Man asks you, do you believe that there should be murder? He says, no, I do not believe there should be murder. Because the Lord Jesus says that thou shalt not kill, and before him others. Therefore, I believe in the same. I will not kill. But you may say one day, sure, I believe in the death penalty. They deserve it. So this juxtaposition, this type of seesaw in your lifetime, either you are in the camp of truth or you're again it. And the master saying, why fight yourself? Be truthful at all costs almost. By the way, if someone asks you a question that you don't want to ask, answer truthfully, say, no, I refuse to answer that question. It doesn't mean you have to answer everyone's question, by the way. You reserve the right to answer questions. However, in your heart, deception cannot be escaped. Therefore, truth is like it's a foundation of freedom. That's stipulated. Should we move on? Let's move on. This is the question. We have our question machine now, if you have any questions. Jocelyn. Going back Jocelyn. to divas, yes. um, so therefore when uh, prayer energy is released through the SER, the divas are manipulating that energy and sending it to wherever it might be going? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, that's a good question. Um, no, I, I think that's that's... They, they respond to um, energy that we send out. Okay, now that's not to say that... Uh, see, the energy that comes through the SER and the, the energy that comes from satellite number three is meant... Uh, it, it's basically it's a supply for us. It, it's, it's in a way it's, it's getting around the ionosphere. Remember, we put the ionosphere up because of our past negative actions, and that kind of filters out the, um, the good energy and the bad energy. And so satellite number three is basically getting around that ionosphere and getting energy from the sun to us around this filter. And then what we do with it, okay, then gets manipulated by the diva kingdom. So we, we draw it into ourselves, and then we either send it out, well, we send it out for good in that particular type of energy. And then that energy is then, once it comes through us, then it is manipulated by the diva kingdom. Not directly. If there is energy released, let's say there is, a, you know, for whatever reason, it might be to a particular area oh, or for a particular purpose. Right. Then no, that energy. That's another very good question too. That was, that's um, what I was too. Um, what when when we release energy to, like, say, an earthquake or a hurricane, um, we we actually ask for um, 
the adepts or, or other, generally the adepts, to help manipulate that energy. And so they, they actually they bypass the Devic kingdom and they take it directly to um, where they feel uh, it, should, it would do the most good. So they, they actually get involved in uh, manipulating that energy. It's not just, we, don't, we don't just make a decree and say, um, Devic forces take this energy to um, fix the earthquake in uh, wherever. You know, we, we actually uh, uh, do it in a different way. We, we, we bypass the Devic kingdom. More efficient. More efficient. Um, for, you know, imagine, you see, if you if think about it, um, the Devic kingdom, if you want to send energy to an earthquake, uh, you will visualize the earthquake or just probably ask that the energy goes to help the victims of an earthquake. Um, but if you could, if you have somebody who can be, be in that area and target where the energy could go, could help most efficiently, and then direct it there uh, exactly, it'd be much more potent. Do you see that? It, it's... Um, it's a very interesting question. It really deserves it's an, an entire class unto itself to fully understand that question regarding the spiritual energy radiator and the energies that flow through it. But imagine in the Nine Freedoms when the Master aborted, boarded satellite number three and he described this perfume, that a perfume which it, it was so exotic, it was an energy, and it affected him. Now, let's take this in another sense. They say satellite number three is, is um, beaming through our spiritual energy radiators an energy pattern, and this energy pattern is radiated throughout the entire atmosphere of this physical realm and other realms upon the planet Terra. Now, liken this energy as to an aroma, as a, a, a perfume, and liken yourself as a human being that inhales this perfume deliberately, you inhale this perfume. You take it in, it through the olfactory senses, as we can say, it permeates the uh, front left and right lobes of the brain. It creates a reaction, chemical reaction, a subtle reaction, and you have changed this energy, this perfume. You've taken it in yourself. You're conditioning it, as we discussed here, the master revealing regarding your conditioning of the universal mind, and now you have an opportunity to take this energy that's now prevalent upon the world through the operation of the spiritual energy radiators, and you have an opportunity to manipulate this energy for the good of humanity. So it's an opportunity for us to take this energy that's now like a magnetic force in our atmosphere and grab a hold of it with our mind, our will, and direct it with the predetermination talked about in the last several weeks. It's an available, unique energy that's supplied for us periodically throughout the year. And when the orbit of this craft leaves, and the craft leaves orbit rather, you know, for a few weeks later, the energy still permeates in certain things such as the vegetable kingdom, isn't that so? A couple, for a couple of weeks. But in this sense, the divas are and can be directly assisted in trying to balance nature, Mother Nature, by you taking and grabbing hold of this energy that's free-flowing 
and take it through yourself and then transmit it out to the world during a spiritual push. It might, might be another way of looking at it is the Devic kingdom, it, manipul- it manipulates energy where we send it. It doesn't decide itself where it needs to go. In other words, it's, you know, the humans on this world, their task or their lessons are to use energy and, and, and do the best that they can with that energy. Decide what to do with the energy. You can either do it, use it for harm or use it for good. The Diva Kingdom, they don't get involved in that. Okay? Once you, you decide how you want this energy used, they then take the energy and do what, they, what you have directed them to use it for. And so when it comes from the sun directly or from satellite number three, it's got no, um, uh, it's no bearing. It's got no direction. See, it, it, it's, it's a supply. It's energy. It's energy which we, we use to learn our lesson. Okay? It's like if you gave somebody a lot of money, um, you might teach them uh, what to do with that money. Waste it on themselves or give, other, give it to other people. Okay? The, the banker... Is just the person who's kind of like going to be using that, helping you to apply the money. Can I see the analogy? Fair analogy, yeah. And energy is the uh, money is the energy, and so the, the bank is just kind of the middleman. So think, think in this case, think of the diva kingdom as the middleman. Right? The energy comes to us, we uh, direct it, and then goes out through the diva kingdom to create its um, what we want it to create. It goes back to the spiritual energy crisis. Imagine the world. We can't even begin to imagine our planet right now if there was no satellite number three, if there were no spiritual energy radiators. We talk about global warming. We're talk- we see it all the time in the newspapers everywhere, constant, constant revisiting of the depletion and or the excess of various toxic elements, etc., etc. Now, we've been told, now we understand that our minds our thoughts and our actions, discolor the universal mind, and we ourselves are the most toxic performing That's, that's a good example, is, is how could you have a spiritual energy crisis when you've got the sun that, that fills the solar system with energy? But you see, the difference is it has to be um, directed by humans. It, it has to be um, kind of uh, anchored on Earth. It has to go through us. You can't just have um, tremendous pranas, which is you know which we have. There's tremendous pranas all around the world at any given moment because of the sun. But that does not solve our energy crisis because that energy has to go through us and has to be um, colored in the right way. Yes, uh, my question is also about devas, but before I come to that, <coughs> I like to thank those people who. Organize the trip to the mountain. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'll tell you, I am not experiencing anything like that. Towards the end of it, uh, the beginning I was distracted, but uh, towards the end, end, the energy, pure energy, Mm. which lasted for about three days. Ah, (laughs) And when it was diminishing, I told myself, when am I going there again? Mm. (laughs) Matter of fact, 
we prayed for a certain person who was bedridden. And I understand Mary's husband <laughs> doing now. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. He called me this morning. Oh, lovely. And lovely. I didn't mention, I said, we prayed for you. That's it. I didn't say anything, you know. What is his name again? Uh, Wilson Baba. He said he's an Indian guy. Yes. Who had fallen from a very high, you know, elevation. And he injured himself very badly. He was unconscious. He was dead free. He couldn't talk, mm, a lot of problems. He actually went to see Sai Baba mm -hmm. to Kodakanal, which is, you know, like a very high mountain, mountainous area with streams and all that, very beautiful. I have been there. It, it happened when he was there. And when you mentioned about uh, uh, Babaji, I read in a book about Babaji. Mm -hmm. he, he, he had been seen uh, in Kumbha Mela, which takes place every 12 years or something, you know, the three rivers meet in a particular place. You, yes. know, you yes. know the story. Yes. He had been seen there by people, not everybody, but some people can see him. Uh, just like a light, uh, a very bright light, uh, and so on and so forth. Yes, I don't think very many people understand that the Lord Babaji is the spiritual and political head of the Great White Brotherhood. I think the Master King is the first man in the history that actually gave that information. The Lord Babaji has been throughout history, he has appeared to a number of groups and people throughout the ages in different, uh, in different embodiments. But the point is that the story is a wonderful story in the sense that, number one, uh, Gratian, who's been attending our Nine Freedoms uh, study group here for the last four weeks, three, four weeks, he was told about the, myth, the uh, pilgrimage to Mount Baldy, which was conducted last weekend. And he went up on there, and you hear the story. He had a wonderful experience, as well as we gave spiritual healing. We had names that we had a long list at the end of our uh, session there, which lasted for several hours under the blue dome of heaven. And one of the names of which Gratian mentioned was an associate of his, and he received this healing, and lo and behold, he's up and about after a serious fall from a high place. Miraculous story, I think. One interesting thing, it's been noted, uh, certainly for myself, I'll speak for myself, that when you say a prayer for someone, it's not always instant when it comes to the reaction of the healing or you know, the power being placed upon them via the divas. I've noticed that there's like a couple of days, 48 hours. There seems to be, I've kind of tracked this over the years, like two days, three days, and all of a sudden a change occurs, much like your friend. So there's a, there's a cycle here. I can't say for a fact, but it's an interesting cycle. So don't be impatient. You prayers out there, not that you're not having immediate results. Uh, the other thing is uh, about the divas. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that word is a Sanskrit word, deva, they call it deva, according to Hinduism. Uh, it is uh, like gods, not human beings now, according to what we read here. It's like a subtle, very subtle form of somebody living. Yes, they are beings. So the Master describes the lesser forms as gnomes and fairies that we've seen. I've seen a fairy. I've seen one of our fairies. But the, the nature spirits themselves, there are different types of nature spirits. Um, 
Once I was on the Colorado River praying, just a quick story, uh, at Laughlin, and I was praying early in the morning at sunrise, and ironically I was praying for those in the lower hells, for their salvation, for their upliftment. And I spent a long time on this, maybe about two hours. And so after I had finished this, right along the banks of the Colorado River, out of the water came this creature, dressed in pure black, small little hands, very teeny little feet, hands outstretched, and it had like, it looked like a, a cape. It was a one-piece outfit, but it seemed to me as if it was its skin. And out the top of its head was a persimmon-colored peak that went like a flame right up above its head, and it had huge-shaped eyes, green eyes, and a very small mouth. And it looked at me, and it was dripping a little bit of water from its feet. And it just blinked and looked at me and went right back into the water. This, to me, was an apparition of a form of a diva. What its responsibilities were, I have no idea. So the point here is that there are different creatures. They inhabit different types of bodies. We've been described, the masters described them, but there are great masters who are intelligent beings, and they have physical bodies of a different substance. Right. We must push on here. Um, next extract is on, asc- on Ascension itself. And this is a two-minute uh, extract from uh, Dr. King. And uh, we'll see what he says. Uh, Mark, this will be track six. Ascension is the result of all of your lives. From the word go, from the first time you came to this earth, you are working towards ascension. It's as great as that, my friends. It's just as great as that. So you can't bring it about in any ten lives. If you suddenly decide to be saintly uh, from this moment on, in ten lives' time, if you bring about ascension, if you do, by giving service in a saintly manner for ten lives, it won't be the result of those ten lives, but also the lives that went before, you see. This is, this is a way Mars Sector 6 has, a very, very subtle way of showing us the greatness of this thing and showing us, too, that it's worth working hard to gain because here we've indeed got something really worth having. And once we have it, we've got it for another maybe million lives, I don't know. Once it's been attained, that's it. If suddenly the dawn of humanitarianism breaks over an individual life stream, that life stream then has to work for many lives in service in spiritual ways and all of them, whatever they might be, before even cosmic consciousness is possible. This is true. After this stage of awareness has been mastered, then lives ensue before total experience has been gained. Even so, he says, it's the birthright of every life stream upon terror to enjoy the highest form of initiation upon earth, which is ascension. Birthright of all of you.
We haven't spent much time at all uh, describing satellite number three, and those of you who read the Nine Freedoms, I think it's best that we leave it there because it's a very um, um, deserving subject matter that uh, we need to isolate it on its own. It's safe to say that the Master King um, had been in communication with the operators of satellite number three for many decades, and that the invitation, I think, Brian, you had a story regarding his preparation uh, before he visited satellite number three prior to this documented story. Yeah, that's a funny, the funny thing, you know, you, especially the more you hear about Dr. King, um, especially later on in some of these books, uh, he relates how he would uh, raise the, the Kundalini in as little as uh, 15 minutes to then uh, release himself from the body and go do some work. Um, and so you, you kind of kind of get used to that idea of, of how quick and, and, and easy it seemed to be for him to, to do these things. Uh, and so what really caught my eye was uh, reading this, this part about the glory of ascension. And I'll read you this one little, little couple of sentences which really st- struck out. This was, was early, in the early days, 1956. March 56, actually. And he, he had been given this... Um, invitation to go and visit satellite number three. And so this is what he said. He, he had to work all day at an outside job. Then he was on his way home. And instead of being able to leave my place of business in the early afternoon, I had been bound by delay after frustrating delay. And now with each step I took, the precious seconds ticked away. I knew that in order to prepare myself for a visit to this great spacecraft, I needed several hours of intensive yoga practice. Some of this precious time had already been lost. And so to me, it really really stuck out. Remember, at this point in Dr. King's life, he had spent already 10 years of eight hours a day of spiritual practice. And here, even at that point, um, in order to prepare himself to visit satellite number three, it, took, it, it was going to take him several hours to get himself to a state. And so, to me, you know, sometimes I feel really, really good and proud and glad that I do an hour or an hour and a half practices in the morning. You know? And here, it just it gives you an idea of... If you really want to make progress, you really have to um, put in some time. And it, it kind of goes back to uh, an earlier extract we heard where Dr. King said, you have to really learn to feel the energy flowing through you and do whatever it takes to get yourself to that point, whether it takes uh, half an hour of breathing exercises or an hour of breathing exercises or, or an hour of mantra, or half an hour of mantra, do, you know, the lesson to me anyway is that um, obviously every little bit helps. So if you can only fit in 15 minutes, then fit in 15 minutes. But if you really want to start making progress and you want to start feeling some results and really feeling the energy flow through you, you know, you've got to put a little bit more into it. 
So I don't want to discourage you if you don't have the time, but I want to encourage you to put in more time, even if it's uh, a one-off thing where you have, you've got a Sunday off, you know, rather than just do your normal half an hour, an hour, put in three hours. Just see what happens. Do three hours of breathing or three hours of mantra. Um, sometimes he'll, he'll say, why not do mantra from sunrise to sunset? Just try to experiment. Just do different things. You can, yeah, it's a great thought. And, and it's like the, the, imagine yourself, an invisible self, and you have a rope. And you've got, yourself has a hold of one end, and the other person who's you has a hold of the other end. And throughout your entire life, it's a, a tug of war. The opposite is pulling in the negative, pessimistic, I can't, I won't, I, all this other business. And the other part of you is reclaiming your divine right, reclaiming your divine heritage, reclaiming that which you know in your heart of hearts that is your spiritual heritage. And you're fighting like hell, pulling against whom and against what? So herein lies that if we have spent more time in our spiritual development, in our spiritual studies, which we need to continue to do, that's why we're here tonight, and we'll continue throughout the years, in the lifetimes, study, practice, and then you will develop. But the point here is that, for instance, we talked about the last several nights, um, sleeping again. We'll go back to sleeping. If you pray before you sleep, if you read the nine freedoms, or you are responsible, or one of the great holy works of Sivinanda, Vivekinanda, Sachidinanda, great masters, great philosophical leaders, many others, Read the holy works before you sleep and set your mind on a spiritual plateau. And then when you disengage from your physical structure, you have a tone, a resonance, and then you leap into the realms. And you can establish, after a certain length of time, a pattern. Thereby, you can avert going into the lower astral or going into the, the realms of deserts and things of this nature and littering around with, with a lot of rubbishy experiences when you can control your sleep state, which could be six, seven, eight hours of your life per day. So in other words, set your day or your night in motion by controlling the last aspect of conscious thought. And that sets into motion. Good point. Well, we've got a couple, uh, couple more long-ish tracks. So why don't we... Uh... Do that, shall we? Yes. The next one is where uh, Master King gives some good details on Kundalini again. And this is a six-minute, uh, six-and-a-half-minute extract uh, on Kundalini. This is precious, by the way. It's a good one. Absorb this. Uh, Mark, this is uh, track seven. I think I told you last time, when Kundalini is risen through certain centers, the powers come. Such as when Kundalini begins to rise up through the solar plexus center, one is capable of influencing others. One is capable of some state of levitation. One is certainly capable of communication with uh, the the discarnate entities, and one is capable of uh, spiritual healing and so on. When Kundalini is ri rising through the heart, 
one is capable of levitation, and one is capable of hearing mystic sounds. You can hear the mystic sounds, the peal of bells, which are made by the heart center, and so on, and you can hear sounds over great distances. Your hearing is tremendously enhanced. You have a hearing more acute than an animal. You can hear people talking miles away, miles away. It's a very, very <clears throat> strange experience. But there's some warmth there, you see, when Kundalini is there. When you rise it up to the throat, uh, then you are capable of even greater powers. Now, here, the fact that it's cold, you have dismissed yourself from the powers brought about by the lower centers and by the heart center. Uh, you have risen the pink radiation, which symbolically stands for the thing that we know love. You've risen it onto the highest plane that you can rise it onto. When the three faces of the head are violet, yellow in the middle, by the way, yellow is the color of wisdom. Violet is the color of high intuition. Uh, the pink which is beneath is a type of fire in this case. So it's activating all your energies by love. Then cometh great awareness. You're in very, very deep state of meditation here. You're in cosmic consciousness too here in this state. You must be. Must be higher than even normal meditation. Deep samadhi condition. This uh, with no heat in the body. You are to all intents and purposes dead and yet living far, far more than you've ever lived before and this time consciously, because all your energies are transmuted, you see. And there is coldness in the body. That means that the body is in an immobile state, and all the energies which normally run the body are used in this one pointed thing, in this cosmic consciousness, are, are attached to all things, because of their detachment. This is very deep occultism we're going into now. It almost becomes abstract, I'm afraid. There's no other thing I can do with it. Can't even make it simpler than that. When the globe above the head shineth through the consciousness of the individual and the power, as stated, is risen and lodged in that place, then cometh ascension, but not until this time. Now, this is the next step, consciously brought about cosmic consciousness, which is brought about over and over and over and over again until one has complete control of the Kundalini, complete control of meditation, complete control of samadhi and the Buddhist nirvanic conditions, complete control of cosmic consciousness, and then one gets ascension, when again... In mystic symbology, this is what they say. The goddess Kundalini is married to Brahma, in Brahma Chakra. In other words, all the Kundalini is risen, and with it all experience is risen up here 
and above the head. Even the Christ center is inhibited completely. Now this is a tremendously high state. Tremendously high. You can't say anything more about it. I mean, it's like trying to say, well, describe an atom of the soul. I mean, it puts any teacher, there isn't a teacher in the world that wouldn't find this difficult. Um, but anyway, that's what he's trying to get at. He's trying to show you this tremendous effort through lives which is needed, and he's giving you now a, a metaphysical explanation for it. Before he gave you a philosophical explanation, this is the metaphysical explanation. We'll have to meditate on this for a long, long time before we begin to thoroughly understand it, I'm afraid. Even in many you regard as masters upon terror, the power is still warm in these places. Karma cannot smile upon this warmness. Still warm. There is still life in the body. There is still life in earth. There is still individuality and recognition of individuality and personality and all the things that go with it, you see. Karma cannot smile. Very strange sentence, this. It means, of course, that the lords of karma cannot allow initiation while this warmness exists. Or in other words, while there is a vestige of attachment to the earth as we know it. You may be wondering why we selected this particular extract in its intent surely is to plant the seeds and embed them within your consciousness and in your soul from this day forward. There's no other explanation, Brian, that can even begin to talk about these uniqueness, these unique words that were just spoken. However, let's just allow this to flow into you and let it be embedded. <clears throat> There is a point here, however, that hasn't been brought up. And that point is that not all ascended masters upon the planet Earth have come to become ascended from the Earth cycle of experience. There are individuals on this planet who have already ascended, who have lived on other planets, and have come and descended and have walked amongst us and have brought their aspects of greatness into minuscule representation of their total greatness and have become the great leaders of our religions, such as the Lord Jesus. So that will be continued in the next freedom of interplanetary existence. But note that carefully is that not all masters, ascended masters, are from the planet Earth. Very important to understand that, and we're going to get into this next week. Next week is going to be a very unique uh, blending of metaphysics and advanced cosmic metaphysics. Now, we're stepping out of this particular Earth cycle of experiences, and so this is actually a wonderful, another wonderful uh, view of our future. Should we play our last uh, yes. extract? This is a, another fairly long one. This is 8 minutes and 23 seconds. And uh, this talks a bit about um, a little yoga book which uh, Dr. King created.
created back in the early, uh, well, mid-1950s, and we still sell it. And it also talks about... Um, Contact your higher self through yoga is the name of the book. Right, right. Um, he also talks about how difficult it is to get anywhere on, on Earth. And so it kind of makes us feel a little bit better about how difficult we all find it. So let's listen to that one. This is a track eight, Mark. You know when you practice Yoni Mudra, you uh, advance a thousand years. That's this one given in the yoga book. That one. You know every time you do it, you advance one thousand years according to the ancient book of I Ching, which was the book of the ancient Chinese mandarins who were masters of magic. It's in the little yoga book out there. Sixty cents, I should make it $5,000. It's worth it, really. That, that practice, there you advance a thousand years. This is what it says. Whosoever performeth, this is what it says in I Ching. Whosoever performeth this practice with the right motive and detachment from all outside conditions advances a thousand years for each time he does it. Fantastic. It's true. A thousand years for each time you do it. Why? Because it makes you conscious of the light in the Christ center. That's why. That is why. It's got to be done with the right motive and so on. Right. So you can advance a thousand lives with a life of service and dedication, of course you can. But you're still not shirking anything, because in that life of dedication you've put so much effort into it that you deserve to advance all these lives. You have not shirked anything or bypassed anything. You've gone forward and you deserve, and you get what you deserve, namely this great advancement. That's what that means, my friend, in, 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 in Cosmic Voice. Coming back to this, he says, nor shirk any. Well, you can't shirk any of the freedoms because they're definite steps from your life on this earth now, not way back in history, but your life on this earth now, right away to your life on the sun. You can't shirk any. Hundreds of millions of lives are described with few bits of paper. So you can't shirk any. If you put extra effort into one life, you push forward. That's the beauty of it all. It, it, it's, it's so wonderful. It's so beautiful. It's so fair. It's so just. It's so magnificent and so glorious. You see, you don't waste anything at all. No matter what people say, what they think of you, these things don't mean a thing. You can stand the poorest man on earth and yet be the richest man on earth at the same time. That's the beauty of it. The great ones look at your heart, you know, not the clothes on your back. The other tasks would be impossible to you now, but they will not be impossible to you when you have gone through this training ground correctly.
There's everything against you here. Everything. The might of the mentality of Earth is against you. The great materialistic conspiracy is trying to hold you back. And if you can still win in the face of this, and you will win in the face of this if you go on, then you are indeed great. That's what's meant by this. So it's really, well, something to be really joyful about. By perseverance, by truth, by effort, by the radiation of love, by service in every form, you can make this journey and stand upon the rock of ascension. That's the way to get it, my friends. And there is no other way. It's like the prince who went to college learning mathematics and he said to his mathematic teacher, I'm a prince, there must be an easier way for me to learn mathematics because I'm a prince. The mathematic teacher says, you can learn mathematics or not, whether you're a prince or not. And that's the only way. And that is it. So there's no bypassing or shirking, but once we do it, once we do it, well, we are virtually in the eyes of the masters. Maybe not their equal, we're certainly great, because we've done something great coming this very, very dark journey. And the other tasks we will have to face, we'll be able to do easily. It's like you learning to climb a very, very high mountain and then with everything against you, adverse weather conditions and everything, and then going till you get to the top. The next mountain you have to climb may be higher, but maybe you don't have the weather conditions against you. You won't have, for instance, on Mars, I know that the whole of the, the magnetic forces on Mars have been so used by the Martian people that they are amenable to thought. In other words, you are never short of energy. You can walk outside and tremendous energy is yours to think inside yourself, to make you equal to any tasks you are given. Can't do that on Earth. Try and do it in Los Angeles. Now, that, this is the point. And this is a point well worth remembering, you know. Well worth remembering. Although the mountains you may have to climb on Mars may be higher than the mountains you have to climb on this Earth, symbolically speaking, nevertheless, you don't have the weight against you on planets like that that you have on this Earth. And this is well worth remembering. This is the most difficult part of your journey because it'll take you the longest time or it's the most difficult, whichever you like. Same thing. So, there you are, my friends. It's, it's a wonderful thing to think that we, every man, woman and child can go through this initiation of ascension uh, if he works hard enough uh, to do this. And it is lasting. Even if you have to come back on this earth again, you come back in an ascended body, unless you are one of the exceptions, like Jesus, and come back in an earth body, and if you are, then you take up your ascended body afterwards, because once you have it, 
That's it. It's yours. It's yours, and that's that. There are many, many initiations you can have, and you can still fall out of favor. Many initiations. Uh, but apparently, once you go through the initiation of ascension, that's that. True spiritual ascension, that's that. So it makes it a wonderful thing. It's a goal which we can all virtually work for, knowing that someday it's within our grasp. And it's no highfalutin uh, pipe dream. It's there, it's real. It's lasting and lasts for as long as we want it to last. Yeah, that little uh, yoga book is um, it's a wonderful little book. If anyone uh, needs it, I think we only charge $4.50 for it, and it's very, very thin. But he takes you up to that uh, final, um, what do you call it, Yoni? Yoni Mudra. Yoni Mudra. Y-O-N-I. He takes you up to that through five um, previous exercises. It really sets you up, and it's extremely balanced, powerful, wonderful uh, practice of breathing. Uh, contact your higher self through yoga, available through the Ethereum Society here in the headquarters and branches, as well as www.ethereus.org online store. Yeah. Wonderful book. Mm. Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 A wonderful little book. Well, then let's... let's um, oh, let's accept, yeah, yeah, let's the last, we have one last track, 40-second track, which takes us out of the, uh, the freedom... And let's um, sit up straight and tune in one last time this evening to Mars Sector 6. It's track 9. Uh, take the five steps across the river of life and stand a while waiting on the sixth and you will know the freedoms let's raise our hands Divine and wondrous Parabrahma, we come before thee now in humble thanks to that wonderful karmic lord Mars Sector 6 for giving to earth the nine freedoms and for our beloved master George King for being a channel for this wisdom to come to us. May we be inspired and uplifted and strengthened by this wisdom so that we might become better channels for thy love and thy light to flow through us out to all those in need upon our world. Om, om, om. 
It is done. Thank you for coming, and we Thank look forward to seeing you next week for the seventh freedom, we interplanetary existence. Thank you. And then we're well away from Earth at that point. Yes. There is planet Finally. is Mars. Mars Venus. it is. Nope, Mars, 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 Mars is closer. Is. Thank you. I think it's closer, yes. This completes the sixth freedom. Next week we will continue our study group into the nine freedoms with the seventh freedom, interplanetary existence. Please visit us at www.ethereus.org, your cosmic connection. Thank you. Thank you.